you're ruining my joke with all this <laughs> fact-checking. There you go. He clubbed me with a carrot. My bad. Listen to the word of the Lord. We're still in Colossians 3. We have been making progress. It's been good stuff. Since God chose you, verse 12, to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, verse 14, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Hmm. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. This is the word of the Lord. So a few weeks back, we looked at the God chose you to be the holy people he loves and how we, we talked about the idea of our identity being such a profound and deep issue in life and that instead of, instead of Paul just saying, hey, behave, he says, listen, now that you know who you are, you have a stable and fixed place to stand. So don't let anything knock you off your step. Remember this? And I said that most of the time when we're tempted to, to misbehave and to react to something that someone's doing or saying to us, it's because of the subtext of the interaction. The text of the interaction isn't saying, I'm challenging who you think you are, but the subtext, we are feeling threatened in our identity, right? And I said, check, see if I'm right. See if the things that stress you, that cause you to react with fear or anger or manipulation or control or judgment aren't touching an identity issue in your heart. But he says, now that, now that you know who you are because you didn't decide, you walked into an identity that the Father spoke over you. Now that the Father has spoken over you who you are, he has chosen you, he has made you holy, he's devoted you to himself, and you are the beloved. Now that you're the beloved, now you have a fixed and stable place in which to stand so that the turbulence and the craziness of life doesn't have to define you, right? Sin outside of you no longer has to produce sin in you. Reaction on other people's part does not have to provoke you. You don't have to wait for the world to be right before you have a place from which to stand. So that was a few weeks back. And then last time I, I talked about without grace, every relationship dies, period. Every relationship will either live by grace or die by law. Every relationship. None of us is perfect, but also every one of us is unique. And our uniqueness, not just our sin, will rub each other wrong without constant practice of forgiveness. Every relationship breaks down. Constant practice of forgiveness. In fact, I didn't even talk about this last time, but Acts says that this gospel of repentance and forgiveness will be preached to the nations, and then the end will come. So he summarizes the gospel as repentance and forgiveness. And so every relationship will be tempted to either, either repent and forgive, which is I'm teachable and open and I'm willing to give you grace. I know I need grace and I know you need grace. And then there will be at-one-ment, atonement. There will be relationship. Or instead of repentance and forgiveness, there will be defense and blame. Defending yourself, blaming the other person. Those are the two positions. 
Defend and blame, repent, forgive. And if there is a defend and blame mindset, then what will happen is the space that's supposed to be no space between us, oneness, will begin to defend myself, blame you, and pull away emotionally until finally you get to have this big no man's land in the middle where nobody even talks, where you don't even love each other anymore. Now, most of us Christians will not admit that we hate people, right? If I ask, who do you hate? You'll be like, oh, I can't hate people and go to heaven. Says so in 1 John. But the truth is you hate the people you resent, right? You hate the people you can't stand when you see them. You hate the people that when bad things happen to them, you actually feel a sense of relief. Right? There's a no man's land in between you and them, and you like to keep it that way. You don't want to be around them. Don't want to see them. You don't like them. Right? Defend and blame will drive a wedge. You might have, you might have been so in love when you first met if you're, if you're a married couple. But little bits of resentment over time, little things stored up that you held on to and didn't forgive, or big hurts that you didn't really deal with and forgive. Big hurts. You might be holding on to little things. You might be holding on to big things. You might have a gunny sack full. I'm talking too long on this point. But the point is, every relationship will either live by grace or die by law. And have you ever noticed that when your heart is holding on to justice, you think that you're about to set the world right and finally stop putting up with this and we're finally going to get this dealt with. Mm. Bro, or just pretend it could be a lady. Lady, you got to let it go because the way you're heading isn't going to change or save them. Did you know the Holy Spirit one time told me, hey, Tim, as long as you behave that way, I don't have a landing pad for my Holy Spirit to bring conviction to her. You're either going to fight your battles and then she'll feel justified in what she's doing or you're going to be gracious and sweet and hand it over to me and then the Holy Spirit will have something to work with. You're taking away the Holy Spirit's ability to work to him because you're taking matters into your own hands. Trying to make the world right. We're going to set things right. You know, anything I can do with anger, I can do better without. Forgive. That was the other week. So then this week, we start with, above all, clothe yourselves. Because remember in verse 12, he said, since you're gods, here's what you clothe yourself with, meekness, humility, kindness, patience, gentleness. And then he says this, above all, clothe yourselves with love. And then some trans translations say, which binds all these things together in perfect harmony, which is true. And then this translation says, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. You ever notice that you'll fight to stay in relationship with someone if you love them enough? You know, a lot of us bystanders, we watch a mom with a wayward kid and we go, I just wish she could let him go. It's killing her. Why can't she? You know, there's just too much love there. Can you imagine if God just let us go? Why couldn't he? He couldn't let go. We would have let go. But he couldn't let go. There's, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of virtues that we go, oh, I need more mercy. I need more kindness. I need more humility. I need more patience. All that's true, by the way. I need all those more. But you know how I can get them? Just get more love. Just get more love. 
Just get more love. And where are you going to get more love for other people? Get in touch with his heart. The world's full of people who think uh, they love God, but they don't love their brother. The mark, the mark. Like if there was a DNA test to say, boop. Oh man, now I know, you know, Ancestry.com. Boop, oh my word, look at my ancestors. Look, the unmistakable DNA markers of God's kids. Boop, they love. That's it. That's the main thing you look for. There's folk that literally measure a Christian by whether their Bible beliefs match their little church or their denomination or their preacher or their little favorite group they podcast. And they'll know we are Christians by our doctrine, by our doctrine. And you'll know we are Christians by our doctrine. Except we're going to get to heaven and find there's some people who are shocked, who changed their beliefs within the first three seconds because they were wrong about a lot of stuff. But they got the only thing that mattered right. They loved I call those people uh, orthodox heretics. Right? It matters what you believe, and I care what you believe, a lot. But I care more what is here. The Pharisees were the masters of getting this right and missing this part. And Jesus said, beware. Guys, be careful. Because what's sneaky is we tend to use all sorts of things in our life Again, to answer the question, who am I? And so if you're drawing identity from, I'm, I'm a faithful, I'm a man of God, and you're drawing identity from that, it's like, it's so fascinating. The people I respect the most in the Christian life are scary honest about their brokenness, their flaws, their temptations, their weakness, you know? The people we want to come speak at our conference are the people who have winning success stories. But the people who we need to hear are the ones who might not be as impressive. That's exactly right. yeah. In a lot of our stories that we tell that you can fill rooms and sell books with, we are the winners. But in the stories that actually build the soul, Jesus is the hero, yes. not you. Yes. Okay. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us or binds these things together in perfect harmony. Wow, perfect harmony. Let's see if I can play on this keyboard a little bit. Doug, how do you turn off the uh, Casio cord? Oh, I got to unplug this. What is that, Doug? How do I make it normal? Can you make it not have strings? Did you know every, every note works with every chord? Ooh, one, three, five. Harmony. Does that sound good? That right there? Anybody know what that is? What's this? It's a C. What kind of chord is it? C major. You want me to flat the third and make it a minor? Does that still sound good? How about this? What's this? Does that still sound good? How about... 
How about... But what if I just do this? Does that sound good? No. Why not? But every key should be able to play. Why can't every key just do what they want? Every note should just be able to do what they want to do when they want to do it. You're ruining their freedom. Oh, but that's America. Just everybody do what you want. Whenever you want. Who cares about anyone else? It's about you. Have it your way. You hear what I'm saying, right? If you have love, you're not just going to be doing your own thing. You're going to think about what the others need. Do you know the, the essence of what I try to do with my kids? I'm less focused on rules with them, and I'm more focused on this. Take good care of people's heart I'm not going to use examples now I got it's really tempting but that's the essence of what morality is about if you want to summarize the whole bible in terms of the ethics of the bible love Paul says that Jesus says that you can sum, Jesus says what, what's the they say what's the greatest command he says love god love people actually that's the second love people and then he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. Love. Love, love. So the only reason any command was ever given is to explain and express to us what love would either always do or what love would never do. So if you were love, you would need no commands, correct? So if you're God, do you need rules to keep you in the straight and narrow? So God needs no law, right? Why? Because he's love. So what if love comes inside of you and, and takes up residence in your spirit? What if love himself comes inside you and takes up residence in your spirit? Do you need rules anymore to lead you? Which is why Paul says Christians are not under the law. Why? Because the spirit of God has come inside of us and now we're led by the spirit. doesn't say now you're not under law, do whatever you want. You're just the, what is regulating or Lord of your life is no longer rules in a book. Now it's the person here and now in you, with you, his voice, his presence, his peace, his guidance, his leadership, his inspiration, his transformation, his imagination, things. Did I? That was like rapping or something. Caucasian rapping, very Caucasian, extremely Caucasian. But love causes us to live with a view to how do, I, how, do I, how do I take good care of the Father's heart today? Right? Instead of just being someone banging on all the notes because I feel like it and it makes me happy with no regard for how they relate to the people around me. Instead, I'll be thinking, what, what does this person need? You know how it says, don't, you know, Philippians 2, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ, that though he was in the form of God, instead of standing there and saying, I demand to be worshipped. He took flesh on and then being found as a human, he took the posture of a servant and he humbled himself and he said, how can I bring you where, how can I bring them to where 
they need to go, whether they know they need to go there. Why would he walk with humility in a servant's heart? Because he loves. His love needs were all met in the Father. So he didn't need you to praise him before he knew who he was. If you know who you are, you can actually switch your focus from trying to figure out what you can, what, how, when I get to the end of my life, if I haven't achieved these nine things, I'll feel like a failure. Bro, let Jesus be Lord of your story. Can you sit in his presence, let him love you, and then say, Father, what's your agenda for my life? What are your priorities for my life? Because oftentimes the story or the, the map, the plan that we construct is designed to fill a need that is meant to be f- fulfilled in him. And then we spend our whole life fighting to live down a thing we are afraid might be true that we learned from somebody through a wounding experience or to live up to the chorus and the choir in our hearts because, you know, we all carry a group of people in us that we're trying to please, right? They might have been dead 20 years, but they're in our hearts. They're walking with us. And we're looking over our shoulder to see if we made them smile with that one, right? The voices in your head, the choir of people you're trying to impress or please or live down to prove that they're wrong. We've got to hear that deeper voice of heaven. You are my son. I'm pleased with you. You're my beloved. If I can hear that voice, it frees me up for my agenda for the day. Now I can be about the the father. I remember in seminary reading these stories of these nuns who would sit in their stone windowless cell and meditate and pray and pray and meditate and fast and punish their body because they were trying to find God and trying to have encounters with God. And my fellow seminarians were like, wow, that's amazing. I wish I was that way. And I was like, man, I wish they understood the gospel. They're in their cell praying 12 hours a day for an encounter with Jesus when he's already given them an encounter. And if they would actually just believe the truth, their identity would be settled. And then they could actually go grow some food in their garden and take it to some hungry people and tell them God's real. Instead, they're wasting their time trying to finish what he already finished, trying to have encounters to to verify to them what his blood is already supposed to be enough to verify permanently and settle it in your heart. Now, I'm all about charismatic experiences, but not as the foundation of our gospel. The charismatic experiences are just there for us to go deeper into the thing. But if I don't have a charismatic experience, I need to stand on the truth of what he experienced as the truth over my life. Right? Why is what I haven't experienced yet in the spirit realm more important than what he experienced on the cross for me? How come he doesn't get to define for me my fullness? Are you with me? But when you know who you are and whose you are, then you have access to that love that will bind all these things together in perfect harmony. Now you can actually pay attention to the other notes and, and switch what you're doing to match the in the band. We're struggling. We're trying to figure each other out. We're trying to figure out how to play together. We're getting better at it. Could you tell this morning we were playing quieter and louder and parts and stuff? It's hard because when you play by yourself in your room, you think, oh, I know how to play this part. But as soon as you insert two other people, three other people, it don't matter how good you play unless you play together. You have to change what you're doing to adjust. Why would you do that? Love. I'm not talking about music anymore. Love. A lot of us have a strong agenda. We're strong people. And some of the biggest problems we jump into are our expectations being violated. You know what I'm talking about? 
Have you ever noticed you have unspoken expectations even for little things like what you were going to do in the forenoon? And then when those get violated, you're all grumpy? Yeah. But you fail to communicate those expectations? But people aren't mind readers? All right, stop, getting, stop preaching about your own life, Tim. Verse 15. This one's so big, guys. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. So he starts with individuals. Each of us has a, has a job as it relates to the choice to hold on to our anxieties or to surrender those specific things causing anxiety to Jesus and let his peace rule. Okay, so the other day, oh, I taught, I, I did a short video on this, which it's like, if you preached, you'd notice this. If you're about to preach a verse, you're going to probably be tempted to be bad at living it for a while. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the peace of Christ, allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. <sighs> Man, lately I've had almost heart palpitations and tight jaw and having to breathe deep. <sighs> On my way to the beach, I was stressed out. On the way home from the beach, guys, usually the beach knocks all the stress out of my body with waves plastering me, you know, and you're floating in there and you're, oh, there's a horseshoe crab, <laughs> gross. And by the time you get home, you're beat up, you're sunburnt, and the sun gives you vitamin D and the sand's all in your ears and it's just a beautiful mess. But not this time. This time I was driving home stressed out and I was like, dang, something's wrong with me. The next day, Carrie says, or maybe it was two days later, she says, hey, Tim, are you okay? You don't seem very happy lately. I said, you notice that, huh? Yeah. She said, are you taking care of your soul or are you just stuffing everything down? I said, mm. I said, but that's what I do. I muscle, I move on. Come on, life's not gonna stop for me and my dumb little feelings. Who cares what I feel? And I said, all right, so here's what I think's going on. And I started to just list off my anxieties. People, it's usually people I'm worried about. I'm worried about your dad. I'm worried about all sorts of things. I'm worried about the air conditioners, how we're going to pay for them. I'm just, just worried about even simple things like church, right? Like the other day, Stan hit me with that one. Did you, have you surrendered gateway to the Lord? And I said, I'm afraid that if I surrender gateway to the Lord, that will mean my time here's up. He starts laughing and he goes, that ain't how it works. That ain't how it works. Surrendering gateway to the Lord means you're going to stop thinking everything depends on you and you're going to trust Jesus, right? I, I told Carrie, I said, I, I, there's like, I, I could probably talk for a good hour on the stuff that I'm worried about lately that's bothering me or that's, that my heart's busted over. And uh, I, of course, cried a little bit because that's who I am and you, you, know, you know me. Back in the day when I was a teenager, I didn't cry hardly at all. And this dude came through and taught. He was an old man. And he said, one time I asked the Lord to give me back my tears because it's not healthy to keep all that stuff bottled up. So I asked the Lord to give me back my tears. So I prayed that at like, I don't know, age 19. Would you know, I, I cry weekly now, you know. Started writing a song to Jesus this week that basically I talked about when I was, I'm not done with it. I'm, who knows? I, I don't finish half the songs I try to write. Started talking about an old pickup truck She's rusty and transmission 
and the low gears ain't quite right, but she can still pull a load. The engine still runs, and she can pull a load. And the outside might be roughed up, but and the radio doesn't sound that great, and you know the dash is all dusty, and there's a crack in the in the in the windshield. And but she's tagged, and she'll run, and she can still pull a load. And then I said, you know, Jesus, that's my heart. I've been through some stuff. I'm, I'm kind of beat up and a little rusty and tattered. And, but I can still pull a load. So hop on in, Lord. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. The next day, after my wife asked me this question, what's wrong? Are you, you don't seem as happy lately. She says, you seem a little happier today. I said, oh, you noticed? Something about just admitting to her that I wasn't taking each of these situations and people and taking them to the Lord in prayer and telling him what I need to tell him and asking him what I need to ask him, even if what I need to tell him is, I really don't trust you with this. Because that went wrong in the past. So how do I know that you're going to keep this from going wrong? And I'm sure he'd have something to say back to me if I did that, right? Might not always be what I wish we're going to, right? He might not always tell me what I want to hear, but he will always tell me the truth. Amen. And what I've noticed about his voice is with a few words, he can unlock a whole house full of doors. You know? It's so easy for us to just stuff down and not, and, and not take care of our soul. It's like a, it'd be like a, any other relationship. If you don't give it your attention and don't give it your time, if you neglect it, there's going to be a bunch of undealt with stuff. And the undealt with stuff doesn't go away. It stays. All right? If you don't deal with it, it'll just keep dealing with you. It's the inconvenience of being a human and having a soul. Your soul feels what it feels, even if you wish it didn't. It thinks what it thinks, even if you disagree with it. And you have to take the time. So how are you going to meet the Lord? Psalm 24, is it? Yeah. Talks about inviting the Lord to come in his glory. And it says, open wide the doors. Open wide the ancient gates and let the king of glory come in. What gates? These gates right here, the gates in your heart. So the only way for you to really meet Jesus, to access him, is to go through the secret place of your heart, which is inconvenient because it means you have to encounter you on your way to him. You ever notice you get into a place where the presence of God comes and instantly you're weeping? You weren't weeping before. Why? Because to access him, you had to go through you. And when you accessed you, you realize all the stuff you've been carrying. And there's a sense of release as he starts to strip it off. So there's a relationship in this verse each of us is to submit to the, the Lord's peace. Now, how? Well, we got to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. We got to do what Philippians 4 says, which is don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything and the peace of God, which passes understanding. It doesn't come from you figuring it out, boy. You can be the smartest anxious person on antidepressants in the whole room. And you ain't going to figure it out and fix it by thinking harder. Nope. And it doesn't help when people go, you're overthinking it. No, I'm not praying and surrendering and letting him talk into it and letting and trust. 
No amount of praying will work without me trusting, right? I used to think if I prayed harder, something would happen. But you know what makes it happen? Trust. Believe. I, I, I gave myself a hernia praying. It didn't move the Lord. It moved something. It hurt. <laughs> Harvey Mass was like, stop that. He gave me the old doctor advice. Hey, when I move my wrist this way, it hurts. Well, stop hurting moving your wrist. Faith does what zeal can't. And sometimes we scream and pray louder because we don't believe. Sometimes we sing another couple times and pour anointing oil on something because we don't believe and we're terrified. And then sometimes we pour anointing oil on it because we believe. But only one of those gets good results. He says this, let the peace of Christ that, the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. And then he says this, for as members of one body, you were called to peace. And you go, wait a minute. So the, the individual has the choice to walk in peace, and the consequence of individuals guarding their hearts to stay in a place of peace is we stay unified. Have you noticed that when you don't have peace, when you are holding on to anxieties, two things shift. You start to complain. When you're worried, don't you complain? And you start to blame. When you are not in peace, you look for what's wrong and whose fault. A lot of relationships would be healed if we learn how to stay in a place of peace. Nobody's going to be able to cause you to suddenly feel deeply at peace with the broken universe. Nobody else has the key to your heart. Jesus won't even take it by force. He will not make you lie down in green pastures, but he will lead you to where he can, where you can lay down in, in green pastures. You know when it says, make, you make me lie down in green pastures, do you think he means he's forcing you? Shepherds don't force. You know, you can't force sheep anywhere, can you? <laughs> what is it? You can lead me a thousand miles, but you won't be able to push me an inch. <laughs> yes. I'm the horse in that? Uh, yeah, probably. I'm the horse. So I wonder if you also see a connection to the next little chunk, which is and be thankful. Grumble. Blame, worry, grumble, blame, or peace and gratitude and thanks. Man, I've been complaining a lot lately. I was even complaining about drivers on the road. That's unusual for me. And don't give me this stuff of the drivers, are, you know, are idiots. That, that's not, that's nothing. I know they shouldn't pull out and then drive 42 miles in a 50 I know, and like it's a single lane, so many single lane roads around here. But, but that stuff doesn't usually get under my skin. And it has lately. That just shows you how not at peace I am. You know, 
I just kind of wanted to shoot out a few tires and need a little PA system on the top of my car and pull over. Obviously, you don't want to get where you're headed, but I do. You know, but mm, I saw somebody had a, a, a bumper, like a, the front license plate, but in reverse so that it, like you could read it in a mirror. It was written in reverse and it said, move over. And I want to get the General Lee uh, on my wife's van, but that doesn't have to do with me liking that. It just has to do with me wanting to prank her. <laughs> should we shut this sermon down? Yeah, we should. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Guys, I wonder if Paul, every time you read a letter of Paul, he says, I've been praying for you. And my prayers all the time, I'm constantly praying and I'm, and I'm lifting up you all the time by name. I'm asking the Father to do this in your life. He, he, every letter he says that, I'm in my constant prayers for you day and night. What are you talking about, Paul? In my prayers for you day and night, I keep asking, I keep asking, I keep asking, I keep asking. I keep asking for God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you'll know him better. I keep asking that he'll reveal his love to you so that you'll really deeply get rooted in who he is. I keep asking, I keep asking, I keep asking. Constantly, day and night, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. As often as I think of you, I mention you to God in my prayers for you. He can't just how he talks. You know, I used to think Paul got that way from being really like a devoted, zealous, committed Christian. You know what it might be? If you have the option of either being a completely destroyed, anxious wreck or an intercessor, are you, who's tracking with what I'm saying? He might have gotten there Remember when he says, and besides all these things, I have my daily anxiety for all the churches. I go, ooh, boy, I understand you. He's constantly worried. And so he knows he has a choice. I can carry that and it'll give me heart disease and <laughs> high blood pressure. And it's going and <laughs> to mess with my, I'll die younger just because I'm so stressed out. Did you know like the bulk of the big, diseases that kill Americans are really affected by stress. I'm not saying only caused by stress, but definitely very affected by stress. And I'm going, okay, so Paul had an option. He maybe was naturally a super anxious person, but in the kingdom, everything gets flipped and your weaknesses become your strengths, right? Because we think the opposite. We think where I'm strong, that's my gift. And he goes, where you're weak, that's where you are. I know you're helpless and you will take no credit for any of the results. So God's like, hmm, who can I call to lead the army? How about that guy hiding a wine press, Gideon? Hmm, who can I call to be my mouthpiece? How about the dude with the speech impediment? Yeah, let's pick that guy. Oh yeah, the murderer who ran away from his people and left them alone. Let's have him save them. God's just like, he picks the unqualified on purpose so that we know it wasn't us. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm depending on him, then I don't take credit for it. Because if it depends on you, guess who's going to be carrying the weight of that? You. It's not because God needs to brag. It's because he needs his people to be free. Most of the stuff he asks of us in terms of radical surrender is because he's so committed to us being free. So if you tell the Lord, I'll serve you, but don't ask me to do that, you know that's on his list now, right, bro? Like yes. you just put a target on that item. Yes, you know, like those people who are like, 
Please don't send me to Africa. Well, you're going if you're obedient. I can't stand them uh, Presbyterians. Oh, my word. What have you done? Now you're going to have to go there. You know? It's like when I first came into the church and I was at some big charismatic meeting and I looked and I was like, those people are up there flopping around in the Holy Ghost. That ain't God. That's stupid. Well, guess what? One day I was flopping around on the ground back there by the second pew from the back and I, and I, and Lord took me back and I started yelling out loud because I had rug burn on the top of my head and felt like an angel was shooting me in the stomach with electrical, like a cattle prod or something. It was painful. Yeah, I'm like, people are like, Jesus is such a gentleman and he'll never, and I'm like, have you read your Bible? And so I fell down on the ground as though dead And I'm back there, I'm on the ground, I'm getting rug burn on the back of my head, and every time there's another fresh round of electricity and my back arches involuntarily, I yell really loud. Super embarrassing. So I look up at the person who's sitting on the pew, and I see him there upside down because I'm arch-backed and everything. Bald head is getting so rug burned. Stomach is hurting. Voice is sore. And I'm blushing. I'm so embarrassed. I'm just so embarrassed. I'm bright red from embarrassment, like, oh. And I said, I'm so sorry, you have to see me like this. And she's like, I don't care. It's because she don't care, you know? And, and then all of a sudden I go back and I remember that, that time when I was in that room and I looked over and I was judging those people. And I said, yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, I'm one of them. That's what I yelled out. I'm one of them. And, you know, and there's like probably a little angel in heaven with a checklist going, one more down, only 72,000 to go. Let's pray, uh, If you're carrying a bunch of stuff that you wish you weren't, you don't have to. And if you're ignoring your soul and just letting it accumulate, muscle on and being brave, you don't have to. You know, you throw enough anchors overboard, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slow you down in life. You can cut them loose. My cousin, he's been going through one thing after another, after another, after another. And it's funny because... I was picking him up and carrying him on my back. And God, and, and so I called and got somebody praying to pray. And when I called them, they gave me a word that I felt like is not just a word for me for the rest of my life, but it's, some, it's, it's something that everybody needs to hear. That God doesn't cause us to carry stuff. God says, I want you to lay it down and give it to me because we're not supposed to carry it. Jesus is supposed to carry it. And that was a word, I believe, for the rest of my life that, you know, because of the peace of God, I don't have to carry that thing. I don't have to carry, I don't have to carry stuff that I'm not supposed to. And guess what? Because of the peace of God, None of y'all have to carry the stuff because God says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So anything that is a heavy burden and a heavy yoke, that's, that's not the Lord because he said he's made it easy and he's made it light. So um, I just want to let you know that if you're carrying something and it's heavy on your back, I'm up here, we're up here to pray for you um, and, and, you know, to get it off. You know, Jesus wants it off. Jesus don't want it on our backs. So that's what I got to say.
So this thing's open. Whoever wants to come get prayer, we're here. So.